And now, it's time for the Mike and Matt Football Show Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Mike and Matt Football Show. We are streaming live on the ColorCast app here on this Tuesday night. Alongside my co-caster, Matt Petrie, my name is Mike Bachman. Welcome to episode eight. 17-game season. This isn't, I guess, technically the midseason mark, but we're going to call it that just for the sake of of today's episode. Because today, Matt, we, of course, are going to be handing out our midseason awards Uh, Before we do that, we will be just going through some trade deadline news, some injury stuff, some other breaking news, just briefly uh, to catch you guys up from information from this past week. And of course, at the end of the show, we will be giving away the Kyler Murray jersey. So for those who have entered the contest, be sure to stick around uh, this entire show because at the end, we will be picking a random listener uh, to win that Kyler Murray jersey. So, Matt, should be a lot of fun. What do you say? I'm looking forward to it. We got a lot to cover. As always, the trade deadlines provided a lot of extra news on top of everything else. I'm just ready to break it all down. Yes, sir. And to your point, the trade deadline has been nothing short uh, of exciting. I do just want to start with one of the bigger stories that basically led to nothing. That's Deshaun Watson, of course. Deshaun seems to be staying put in Houston. Uh, Miami did consider going after him, but both sides couldn't necessarily get a deal done. Obviously, with all of the off-field issues that Deshaun's facing, you know, I think teams were wary if he was even going to be eligible to play, barring a suspension uh, from that trade. So Deshaun is staying put in Houston, but big name box office player, a legend for the Denver Broncos on the move to the Los Angeles Rams. That's Von Miller. That was big news. The eight-time Pro Bowler shipping off to Los Angeles to join Aaron Donald and the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, The team exchanges a 2022 second round and third round pick for Von Miller. The Broncos also paying the $9 million of Miller's remaining $9.7 million salary. So a win-win here for the Rams who get themselves a premier edge rusher, obviously 32 years old, but Von Miller, uh, his stats speak for himself and, what a box office name to go up right alongside Aaron Donald. A big win for the Rams. What do you think of that trade, Matt? I love it. I think not only for what they paid, like you said, they gave up not even a first-round pick, a pair of a, a second-rounder and some additional capital, and they were able to get the Broncos to pay $9 million of that, which, I mean, I've got to say the first thing that I thought after the excitement of seeing this trade is how the heck could the Rams afford to do this because they have a lot of money in some high places, but – They were able to – I think, you know, the Broncos – you saw how emotional that Von Miller was leaving that team. I think the Broncos wanted to do everything they could to put him in a position to really succeed in the twilight of his career, even if that meant eating $9 for a year that's pretty much already lost for them. And so I do do like that a lot. I think that, my goodness, you look at Aaron Donald and Von Miller on that defensive line, it reminds you of the fearsome foursome they had way back in the days of Deacon Jones, back in the heyday of the Rams, and it's just – they're going to be wrecking havoc to match that elite offense they have. 
Totally. And, you know, the Arizona Cardinals dropping <laughs> one to the Green Bay Packers. So the Rams potentially using this as a chance to see if the Cardinals are, are vulnerable. And the Rams, obviously, with the, their juggernaut of an offense and now amplifying their defense even more so is going to uh, wreak havoc for teams like you mentioned. And the Denver Broncos now in full rebuild mode. They get two picks next year, looking to build this youth group and uh, try and get that team back to relevancy in the AFC. Uh, another AFC team, Adrian Peterson, has been signed to the practice squad of the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, this is in the wake of uh, Derrick Henry's unfortunate injury, going to be sidelined for a substantial amount of time with the foot injury. But the Titans do get Adrian Peterson to their practice squad, most likely to be elevated uh, to their starting roster. Now, it's kind of it's kind of funny because Derrick Henry was chasing history, uh, you know, chasing Adrian Peterson. And now the Titans uh, using Adrian Peterson to fill that void. So uh, we'll see if that uh, does anything for the Titans, because Derrick Henry's injury is a huge blow to that offense. It's Derrick Henry is their identity, right? And this puts so much more pressure on Ryan Tannehill, some of these receivers, even Julio Jones, to try and get healthy, get back on, get back on the football field. So big blow for Tennessee. You look at the Colts, just barely there in the AFC South, too. A good opportunity for them to try and get some games back. But Tennessee trying to bolster their running game here with the signing of Adrian Peterson, Matt. I agree. It's definitely a... It feels like a Mike Vrabel move, just very much a, a blunt, hey, we lost our running back, like you said. Let's get the guy whose history he was chasing. Maybe he's got that Herschel Walker workout routine, and he's still got that Adonis body and can still run. You never know. I'm a little skeptical that Adrian Peterson's going to be able to be quite what they hope he'll be. It is definitely unfortunate that you just – I mean, we talked about it. They were – running their entire offense through Derrick Henry, fresh off of a 2,000-yard season where they had already tried it. Uh, even a guy like Derrick Henry, that body just can't hold up. And now, like you said, we get, we're going to see if it's Finn's Tannehill or if Titans Tannehill is a real thing. These receivers are going to have to step up. This defense is going to be exposed to a lot more playing time. Titans' whole season may have just been upturned, as well as just, I mean – we're fans of the NFL here. It's just a sad sight to see someone who is that special to watch on the field take this kind of injury. And someone chasing history as well. So that's going to have to be on hold for the moment. But definitely hoping that Derrick Henry is able to return this season, uh, even if that means missing the regular season. If the Titans are fortunate enough to make the playoffs, maybe he makes a return then. But in other injury news, a couple other big-name players, unfortunately, going down this week. Jameis Winston, uh, it's officially being uh, noted as a torn ACL. He is out for the year. Uh, Taysom Hill, though, looks like he's going to clear concussion protocol this week. So that will put him as the future starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. But a big blow there for the Saints offense and for Jameis Winston, who against his former team, unfortunately suffers a season ending injury and Jameis Winston trying to uh, revitalize his career down there in New Orleans, unfortunately takes this hit. Also Packers tight end Robert Tunyon tore his ACL out for the rest of the season uh, in the Thursday night matchup against the Cardinals and also going down for the year, big time defensive end, Daniel Hunter for the Minnesota Vikings. He is set to miss the remainder of the season with a torn peck. So again, a, a big week for injuries, unfortunate news all around. And, you know, it, you just hate to see it from these big name players that play such an integral role for their teams, Matt. 
You really do. Jameis especially really just someone who looked like they were reclaiming their life, reclaiming their career. A brand new start in New Orleans. He had learned from one of the best. Michael Thomas looks like he's going to be back soon. It's just the worst timing. They get a huge win over his former team, the Bucks. The defense is coming together. I mean, they paid Taysom Hill for a reason. Trevor Simeon, as much as people might want to clown him, he's still an NFL quarterback. He's still shown flashes of being average, good enough to game manage you through a few wins. I almost wonder if they might go truly to the well and maybe go for a Cam Newton or even a maybe, and this is my biggest long shot, but Kurt Warner came back out of retirement. I mean, there were always those talks around Kurt Warner. Could could they please just be like Drew Brees one more year? You've rested up your body or you got that free time to get in the gym, feel limber. You never know. The, the Saints just feel like they were right in that position to capitalize back into the playoff race. Now that just seems like it's going to be a scramble to do anything. Can the Saints try and lure Drew Brees out of retirement? Uh, that, I mean, is a, is a long shot. But, man, what a, what a storyline that, that would potentially be if able to, to pull it off. But uh, Cam Newton is, a, is another one, man. Uh, he's still right there could potentially, uh, you know, give a team a, sh- a shot if given the opportunity. I mean, New Orleans now – Gets in to a, see the Panthers twice position. a year. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Go up against his former team. Uh, you know, they do have that obligation with Taysom Hill with all that money they paid him. So, you know, a journeyman, obviously utility player at quarterback can do so much. Could he potentially spark that offense? We'll have to wait and see. Uh, but now – before we get into our midseason awards, do want to just discuss this unfortunate, awful story that came out uh, this afternoon regarding Raiders wide receiver Henry Ruggs. Uh, Henry Ruggs is facing felony charges following a crash that left one person dead on this Tuesday morning, according to Las Vegas Metro Police. Uh, it also confirmed that Ruggs was uh, impaired, showed signs of impairment. So, uh, he is facing a minimum two years in prison, potentially up to 20, if he is charged and convicted with a DUI crash. Just an absolute unfortunate, terrible situation coming out of the NFL news this morning. Obviously, your thoughts and prayers are with uh, the deceased and the family that is involved in this. Uh, the Raiders did release a statement this afternoon saying, quote, we are devastated by the loss of life and our thoughts and prayers go out to the victim's family. We are in the process of gathering information and we'll have no further comment at this time. So just weeks, just weeks after the John Gruden emails, Gruden gets fired. All of that unraveling happens with Raider Nation. And now they lose Henry Ruggs, a sophomore wide receiver. Great story. Really is uh, truly unfortunate what is what has happened here, and it's it's quite ironic, Matt, because I don't know if if you know this, but uh, a couple of years ago, Tom Rinaldi of, of ESPN at the time did a story on Rugs, uh, and one of his childhood best friends, Rod Scott, uh, whom he lost to a fatal car crash. That's where that whole threes up ce- celebration originates. You know, basically the reason also why he went to. Uh, University of Alabama for the Crimson Tide. Uh, so just with all of this, it's truly heartbreaking. You feel for the victim, uh, and it's really sad news coming out of the NFL today. 
I couldn't say much more. It, it truly is devastating. You, like you said, thoughts about to the deceased. We hope that more information will come out so we can say more concrete things. It's always so hard to, like you said, this just broke this afternoon. Obviously it appears Henry Ruggs was very much in the wrong faces. As you said, two to 20 years in prison. I was speaking to one of our friends today and we were, he's bringing up the Dante Stallworth situation back in 07, a similar situation. Although honestly, looking back into that case, Stallworth had more of a legal defense, at least with what the facts appear to be now than Henry Ruggs will be able to put out for himself. And it's just, as you said, pile a great sophomore campaign, someone who from all accounts is a well-liked member of the locker room, a pretty solid young man to just see something like this from what was a clear lapse of judgment and already horrible time for his team. You just hope that he can learn from this. Hope more facts come out. It's just a tragic situation. Definitely a tragic situation. And you got to feel for, for Raider nation, of course, uh, as we mentioned before, just weeks removed from, from John Gruden's uh, firing and the, and the emails that came out. And it makes you think, it really does because obviously the Raiders moving to Las Vegas, we all know the type of environment, the type of atmosphere out there in Vegas. And, you know, Henry Ruggs at just 22 years old. And, you know, it puts a lot of young players that might not be as mature yet as that professional athlete to be able to carry themselves off the field as, as well as they do on the field. It's, it's just as much of a part of their job as it is just being on the field there. So it makes you think, hopefully these situations don't become a, a common trend uh, in the city of Las Vegas. We, we don't expect it to, but it really does have to make you wonder is moving to Las Vegas, you know, some situations like this, are they going to become more uh, common? I really, really hope not. I uh, hope that this is just something that we can also learn from never drive under the influence, especially in today's day and age with all of the different options, all the different resources there are out there to avoid situations like this really, really just have to make sure that you are thinking about your next move and, and thinking about those that you could potentially be putting in harm. And unfortunately a sad situation here today uh, with all of this unraveling here. I will say one quick note, not only because you mentioned it, but I, I don't know if you saw as well, but someone in the chat, Stone Sports, also mentioned. It's just unacceptable. I mean, there's Uber, Lyft, so many different ways to get a ride. You're, you're all, this is just if you're a person, just a normal everyday Joe. We're talking about NFL players. You know, it, it really does tie into this idea that we kind of make these athletes into these sort of higher than figures. And sometimes it's hard for them not to believe they have a bit of that you know, above the law, above reproach mentality, because it's absolutely right. I mean, you're Henry Ruggs. It's a drop in the bucket, not even to just call an Uber. That's that's not even remotely difficult for you or to have a personal driver even. So it is just one of those things. There's no real excuse for it except for carelessness. And it's just sad. It's just sad. Very sad. Obviously, more information will be uh, uncovered as I'm sure the investigation goes on. I'm sure we will learn more uh, this week as to what Henry, the future of Henry Ruggs looks like. But that's basically to catch you up on the news so far. Trade deadline injury stuff here in the NFL. But now it's time to unveil our midseason awards here, Matt. We have, I think, about seven that we are going to run through. And guys, just 
make sure that you continue to stick around for this show because at the end, we will be picking one random listener uh, to win that beautiful, beautiful Kyler Murray jersey. So be sure to stick around here uh, if you are if you are looking forward to that. But now let's go through our awards. What's up for grabs here? We have obviously the most valuable player. We have the offensive and defensive player of the year, both the offensive rookie and defensive rookie of the year your comeback player of the year, and your coach of the year. So let's start with the MVP. And Matt, we don't know any of our choices. Uh, We did not deliberate. We did not discuss. So I'm really, really curious to see how this shakes out. Why don't you start? Why don't you start? Give me your MVP. So this was tough. It was a two-horse race for me. I ended up leaning a little more with my heart. I'm going with Tom Brady. What he's doing, even off of a loss last night that was more on him than I'd love to admit because of his two fourth quarter interceptions, those are still just his fifth and sixth interception on the year. This is on top of his 20, oh, sorry, his third or fourth and fifth interception of the year. He only has five. He has 25 touchdowns on the year, a league leading 2,650 yards on the year, all at this age, 44. He's just... He's doing stuff that has never been seen really in sports in general to be playing at this high a level. He's leading most major passing categories. Team is winning. He's Even if you want to say it's a legacy award, the numbers are still going to be good enough that it will, will feel like it isn't. Well, look, Brady is not my MVP, but he definitely deserves an honorable mention. I mean, to your point, everything that you said is valid. I mean, Tom Brady at his age is just defying every – source of ounce of logic there is in football uh he's playing better in his 40s than he played in his 20s and it's just absolutely remarkable what he's been able to do how he's been able to uh withstand some of these hits keep his body well conditioned and still play at an elite level uh but i still have to give the mvp to kyler murray uh i give it to kyler murray despite the loss to green bay playing his worst game of the year obviously there's every quarterback every team's gonna have that one game uh, that they have, but uh, Murray's stats, what he's able to do on the football field still just speak for themselves. 20 total touchdowns, uh, ranked second in completion percentage. And it's just his unpredictability, his big play ability, and just the fact that he is the pure catalyst of this offense for the Arizona Cardinals, how he's able to extend these plays and doing so without the best offensive line without a stout running game. I mean, Chase Edmonds and James Conner are a pretty solid one-two punch there, uh, but you're not talking about a, a top 10 rush running game in the NFL. Uh, so Kyler Murray, what he's able to do uh, and the position he's been able to put the Cardinals in, yes, you know, had his worst game against the Green Bay Packers on Thursday night, but still the, you cannot count the Arizona Cardinals out in that NFC West Uh, And Kyler Murray has been the catalyst for that. You mentioned Tom Brady, Stone Sports also in the chat, Matt Stafford. I mean, Matt Stafford is another potential candidate. What he's been able to do in Los Angeles, uh, you know, speaks for itself. And he has absolutely put his name in there for that MVP conversation, too. He has been a monster. It's been unreal what he's looked like out of Detroit. It's it's been he was he was my second choice for MVP. I can't lie. That 118 passer rating jumps off the page at you. We got Brady and Kyler as our MVPs. Let's now move over to offensive player of the year. I'll take this one first, Matt. 
this one is tough because it's it, it's all how you look at it. Yes, this is these are the midseason awards as of today, Tuesday, November second. So, yes, Derrick Henry is out for a substantial amount of time. Uh, how much? Does that mean that he's going to be the offensive player of the year right now? Well, I did a little digging as much as I wanted to give Derrick Henry. The injury is just something that I can't live with for some reason. So I'm going to give it to Cooper Cup with the Los Angeles Rams. Cooper Cup has been unstoppable. And Matt Stafford has been a massive part of that. Leads the league in receiving yards, uh, receiving touchdowns and total targets. He's on pace to tie Calvin Johnson's single-season record for receiving yards, and he's doing what no other modern-era receiver has really been able to, to do. His efficiency, his production, nobody has really been able to stop him. Pretty sure he has one game where he's been targeted less than 10 times, and he has just been an absolute beast. And it's Matthew Stafford once again. You know, Matt Stafford was quarterbacking when Calvin Johnson uh, secured that record. The same deal here. So Cooper Cups should be very comfortable uh, with the man under center and Matthew Stafford. We'll see if he's able to continue this production, but I just don't think it can be overlooked. There are so many receivers now that are going to have their names mentioned for a potential offensive player of the year. But Matt, who do you have for this award? Well, we're going to have our first overlap here. It's Cooper Cup. He's He's going to have a thousand yards before he plays 10 games. He already has 10 touchdowns and eight. The man is just like Calvin Johnson had that incredible receiving yard number. I think he had five touchdowns that season already. Cooper cup is powering his he's just everywhere. He's an elite route runner. Some of the best hands in the game an underrated athlete. Every, he is just, and Matt Stafford, he, he will key in on a guy who earns his trust. As you said, Megatron proved that. But this is now a more evolved Matt Stafford who defenses can't count on to key in on him all the time. Robert Woods, Tyler Higby, even Cam Akers when he's healthy and Darnell Henderson when he's not, he's willing to spread the ball out in a way that he was really only showing towards the end of his tenure in Detroit when he didn't really have the weapons to spread it out to. It's been beautiful to watch. As you said, guys like Debo Samuel, Jamar Chase, they deserve to have their names in there. And it hurts to not give King Henry some recognition because if the season ended today he'd obviously be it and honestly he might still finish in the top 15 of rushers this season which is just ridiculous yeah that's just how crazy Derrick Henry's season has been and I'm I don't know I don't know who's second in rushing I, I think Joe Mixon is up there and a couple others but still has what a 200 plus yard advantage over the next guy I mean even if he even if he doesn't play oh Jonathan Taylor is in second perfect so it is absolutely insane what uh derrick henry has been able to do and big blow injury wise it really is a shame but uh cooper cup's production obviously has earned both of our recognition so i was i was very curious about that one uh but cooper cup is the unanimous decision here for offensive player of the year defensive player of the year couple of names what do you got I'll I'll lay out who I think are the, you know, the big three who can get it. I mean, there's a fourth honorary one. Aaron Donald every year could hypothetically get it, but he's he's, an he's not putting up the numbers this year to really be in that convo. So I think it's down to TJ, Miles Garrett, and Trayvon Diggs. 
And you know what? Trayvon Diggs doesn't have an injury to say we can't say he's going to pace himself. So I'm going to give it to Trayvon Diggs right now. Miles Garrett and TJ Water both putting up phenomenal edge rushing seasons. Either one of them would deserve it if they get it. TJ Watt, especially with the impact turnovers he can make. But Trayvon Diggs has a pick every game. Obviously, he didn't have one last game. He had the sprained ankle, but it's still seven for seven. Seven games, seven picks. If he keeps that pace up, he's going to shatter records. He's not getting burnt quite as bad as Marcus Peters was his rookie year where he got the eight interceptions. And he's had a better pace than Marcus Peters was that year, too. If he can continue to work on not getting burned and the Cowboys can put, you know, teach their safeties not to bite on double moves when he's already bit, because that's how Mac Jones gets a 78 yard touchdown to save that game for a second until CD Lamb ended it. But long story short, what Trayvon Diggs is doing is historic. It is absolutely historic. And it's truly fun to watch. I mean, he has become one of the premier D backs in the NFL and has been a huge part of shaping that defensive identity for the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, he's in here as an honorable mention, but dude, you know me. I got to give it to my boy, TJ Watt. And yes, call bias because there's absolutely bias in that. But TJ Watt needs to and I think has is going to do enough to deserve it. And he is obviously the highest paid defensive player in the league. He's tied second in the league in sacks, uh, tied third in forced fumbles, and he is uh, the sole proprietor of fourth in quarterback pressures. And, you know, his stats across the board, they might not jump out at you, but it's just how much he changes the complexion of this Steelers defense. When he sat out with that, with that injury against the Bengals, I believe it was, that defense had no identity. They were lost. They were missing out. When TJ Watt is on the field, I mean, he is the heart and soul, arguably, of this entire Steelers team. He's in there uh, orchestrating the who ride, we ride at, at pregame. I mean, he is the heart and soul of this team. And it's just when, when he, whenever he's off the field, this, this Steelers defense is completely different. And they're lost. So he is one of the best edge rushers in the game. He's made some incredible plays and that's been his knock right one of the main reasons why he didn't win defensive player of the year last year was just because everyone thought he was just too one-dimensional one-dimensional as just the edge rusher to get after the quarterback and sack him right Aaron Donald is much more of a stuffer than TJ Watt is uh, but TJ Watt has made some plays this year in the passing game whether it's getting up deflecting balls whether it's getting after the quarterback and forcing turnovers he is able to do it all, and he is able to do it all at a high level on a week-to-week -week basis. There's just no stopping him on the edge. Uh, Trayvon Diggs, obviously, is having a historic campaign. Who knows if he gets to 12 interceptions by the end of the year. Uh, it's going to be a tight race for Defensive Player of the Year. You mentioned Miles Garrett as well. Miles Garrett, obviously, uh, he speaks for himself and what he is able to do uh, and what he's able to do for that Cleveland Browns defense. Uh, but I just got to give it to T.J. Watt. The time is coming. The time is coming. I think he truly, truly deserves it. And I really, really think and hope that he's going to be there at the end to be able to do enough to get that award. Uh, so those are our picks for Defensive Player of the Year. Now let's now move over to the rookies here. Let's start off with Offensive Rookie in the Year. If I, I could probably guess, we could probably guess, Matt, that uh, these are going to be pretty self-explanatory and we're probably not going to have too much debate over both of these. So let's just go through them. Offensive rookie of the year. It's got to be Jamar Chase. It's got to be Jamar Chase of the Cincinnati Bengals. He's become one of the best pass catchers in the NFL in just his first year. 
he leads the league in yards per cash. I mean, what he has provided for this Bengals offense, we've talked about it on a week-to-week basis on this show, uh, is just how explosive he is, what he is able to do, his route running ability, how physical he is as a pass catcher. I mean, he possesses every single quality you can want in a wide receiver and just continues to improve every single week. And his impact on the game has really opened up the playbook for Zach Taylor to allow Joe Burrow to throw deep, to allow them to kind of work their chemistry together and kind of take over that offense, man. It's really, really fun to watch. Yes, the Bengals just had a tough loss to the New York Jets and Mike White, the greatest quarterback to ever play in the National Football League. But you got to look at Jamar Chase. We'll throw some honorable mentions. I mean, Mac Jones continues to impress and improve on a week-to-week basis. Najee Harris, got to give him some credit. What he's been able to do, steadily improving, work in the holes in that abysmal Steelers offensive line and, you know, being utilized in the passing game as well. But it's no question that Jamar Chase is the runaway favorite for this award. I do. I mean, I think both honorable mentions deserve it. Mac Jones been a steady hand, someone who feels like a veteran. Najee Harris is working with very little, showing flashes. It's Jamar Chase. He's, I mean, we were discussing him as a potential offensive player of the year candidate. He is putting up ridiculous numbers as a rookie. Fresh off of Justin Jefferson's LSU rookie monster year, LSU throws one more out to the woods and says, hey, show them what these Tigers can do. Absolutely. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely a sight to see. And it's just, it's still hilarious how in preseason, I mean, he couldn't catch anything. And now he's just got sticky hands. So I don't know what's in the water, man, but Jamar <coughs> Chase, what a, what a fluke of a preseason that was because he's on fire and is showing no signs of stopping and slowing down. Let's move over to the other side of the ball with the defensive rookie of the year. A decently weak class, I would say, you know, when you, when you take a look at, at some of these players down the board. But for me, it's Micah Parsons and the Dallas Cowboys, much like Trevon Diggs. Micah Parsons has become an integral part of this Dallas Cowboys identity on defense and has shown how versatile he is at the linebacker position, whether uh, the Cowboys line him up as a pass rusher, whether they, whether they line him up as a traditional linebacker, he's really done a great job for this Dallas team and has really just been able to uh, steadily improve every week. Uh, I will give an honorable mention to, Odafe Owe of the Baltimore Ravens, uh, someone who I think down the line could potentially beat Micah Parsons out for this award. He had that game-changing fumble against the Kansas City Chiefs, with which essentially sealed the deal for Baltimore. And Baltimore, obviously dealing with injuries, dealing with a lot of inexperience on both ends of the ball. Uh, Odafe Owe has come up clutch in some big-time moments, so got to give him some praise Uh, Patrick Sertan for Denver has done a really good job at cornerback as well uh, and, and, and defending some passes, but it's gotta be Micah Parsons for me, Matt, who do you got? I mean, you're right. We really did not confer on this at all, but uh, I think Oda uh, Odefe away has been phenomenal, but it is Micah Parsons. He's given a new layer to that Cowboys defense. He's become a leader on it instantaneously. He's so versatile. You, You saw when they were down to Marcus Lawrence, they can move him to the end. As they've needed to, they can pull him back to linebacker. Occasionally, they can throw him out to safety. He can just do everything. He's so explosive. 
Odafe away is incredible. Like you said, he has potential. It's not a one horse race by any stretch guys like Patrick Sertain and before he got hurt, even Asante Samuel jr. But I have to agree. Uh, Micah Parsons, it's his award right now. Definitely his award right now, most likely going to be his award to lose as well, but we'll have to see how the season shakes out and who's going to be there at the end. Now let's move to comeback player of the year. We got a few more awards before we head to our Kyler Murray Jersey giveaway. So just be sure that you are sticking around to the end of this show for your chance to win. But now let's go to comeback player of the year. A couple of options. I would say Uh, might seem like a runaway favorite, but I think there are a couple of options. Matt, start with you. Who's your comeback player of the year so far? There are a few options, but I do feel like it's got to be Dak Prescott. What Dak has been able to do, stepping back into the role, he's obviously missed this week with a calf injury, but that's just one week. Honestly, if he hadn't missed this one week, he probably would have been up there in that MVP conversation with the rest of those quarterbacks. He's putting up an above 110 passer rating. He's got 18 touchdowns to four interceptions. He's he's a bona fide baller coming off of what a lot of – people were saying was an injury he can never look the same from that is very true and you know we hope that this calf injury now that he's dealing with he's able to uh, heal up quick and head back on the football field because to your point he is playing his best year of football that he basically has ever had coming off of that injury and that's a lot of praise for uh, Dak Prescott who has received a ton of criticism in his career uh I will have to agree with you and, and give it to Dak Prescott as well. Uh, he does lead the, lead the league in completion percentage as well. Uh, so he's completing his passes at a very, very efficient rate, almost 73%, I believe. Uh, and just his what he's able to do for this offense. I mean, this Dallas Cowboys offense has always been uh, talked about as one of the most electric offenses in the league. You take a look at this receiving core. You take a look at the running game. And now they are showing it and becoming an offensive juggernaut to compete down the stretch potentially. So we hope he's able to heal up. Have to shout out Joe Burrow, though, as well. Another guy coming off of uh, the season-ending injury last year. And, you know, when the Bengals decided to go out and get Jamar Chase and pass up on a Rashawn Slater or a Panay Sewell, a lot of criticism. And this offensive line was going to really have to step up this year and deliver. And they have. And Joe Burrow has been able to reap the benefits of that, connect with Jamar Chase, and really have a great year and put these Bengals in a position to compete in the AFC. But Dak Prescott uh, deserves the respect, deserves the praise, and deserves the consideration because, to your point, if he hasn't already inserted himself in the MVP conversation now, I think there is a very good chance he does in the future. Uh, So we'll see if it ever gets to that point, but I think that there is a high chance uh, that it does. So... What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six. We got one more. One more of our midseason awards. Been a lot of fun here, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. And now let's crown our midseason coach of the year. So many awesome stories this year. You could give it to a number of different coaches. A lot of candidates here for this award. Took a while for me to try and figure this out just because of the sample size that we have here for head coach. For me, for me, um, I, it came down to just wh- what position this team was in last year compared to where they are this year. 
and I'm going to give it to Zach Taylor and, and Cincinnati. Now, yes, I know they just lost to the greatest quarterback to ever play in the National Football League, Mike White, and the New York Jets. But the position the Bengals have still been able to put themselves in here after eight weeks is, is quite impressive. This team, injury-filled season last year, obviously going 4-11-1. and one. Um, this, this, the Cincinnati Bengals have been, have been garbage. And this year is a little bit of a script flip, uh, here. And they have shown that they're capable of winning games. They've shown that they're capable of winning games against, uh, proven opponents. And Zach Taylor has really been able to build himself a balanced and formidable squad on both sides of the ball. Their defense has performed and has done a really nice job. A lot of key acquisitions on, on, on that end. Obviously we talk about, uh, what they've been able to do on offense with Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, Joe Mixon, arguably a potential top five running back in the National Football League. Uh, this team has really been able to have a very solid year. And, you know, there are some other coaches. Cliff Kingsbury is a big one, obviously, with the position that the Cardinals are in. I take a look at a guy like John Harbaugh and the injury filled season the Ravens have had and the adversity they have had to overcome against some high caliber opponents. Uh, so there are a ton of different coaches here, but it came down to just, for me, the position this team was in last year compared to this year. Give it to Zach Taylor in Cincinnati. Matt, who is your midseason coach of the year to wrap it up? This was, a, I think this was my most difficult one by far. There were just a ridiculous amount of candidates. Uh, Sean McDermott, someone who's got the Bills first in both offensive points per game and defense points allowed. Bill Belichick doing what he always does, keeping his team afloat. Same with Mike Tomlin. Zach Taylor, another great coach. But for me, I had to give it to Cliff Kingsbury this year because what he's done, not only with this team, but almost against himself even. He's always been known as an offensive coach, quarterback guru. He's got his defense from the abysmal place it was last year to now third in points per game allowed. They're fourth in points scored. They're seven and one. Just what Kingsbury's been able to do getting this team that you know feels almost a little bit like the Chiefs in the sense of like they could be this broken rely on playground tricks one trick pony but instead they get guys like James Conner and Edmonds involved they get they run a, they go out and I don't know how much Cliff Kingsbury is involved in the GMing so I shouldn't give him too much credit for this but they go out and get a guy like Zach Ertz and I will give him credit for this instantly scheme him to get open in the offense instantly get him comfortable. I just, what Kingsbury has been able to do this year offensively and defensively, it, it sealed it for me, but I, I don't think you can go wrong with this award. This award is going to go to someone who deserves it. It's just a matter of who. Absolutely. And this award <laughs> of all of them is probably going to be the one that changes the most because any team in the second half of the season can, can pop off, uh, and do wonders compared to compared to the first half. So many awesome stories, so many good teams, a lot of fun giving out our midseason awards here. Yes, the 17-game slate, this isn't technically the midseason, but we're still going to call it that just for the sake of argument and for, and for the sake of today's show. Uh, but it's definitely going to be an exciting and fun second half of the year. Uh, we appreciate all of our listeners, all of our followers for uh, listening to the first half. Uh, of these shows and for the first half of the NFL season. It's been a ton of fun. And now it's time to give back to you and give away this awesome Kyler Murray jersey. So if you're all obviously following us on Twitter 
at Mike Matt Show. That's the place to be for updates on our show, for updates uh, in the NFL, and for all of your football fixes. That's the place to be. Now it's time to pick one of you lucky listeners for the Jersey giveaway. So drum roll, please. Jersey giveaway is going to go to at Sean Atch 41. Congratulations, Sean Atch 41 for winning the Kyler Jersey, Kyler Murray Jersey. Excuse me. Uh, what you couldn't do is head over to Twitter, Instagram, Instagram, DM color cast, uh, saying that you are the winner that you were listening here on Mike and Matt, and you will get your Kyler Murray jersey, man. So thank you so much for the support. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in, as always, week to week. And it's things like this that we love to do to give back to you guys, the listeners, for your uh, support. So, guys, that's going to do it for Episode 8. We're halfway there. We're halfway there. It's been a lot of fun. I'm sure, Matt, you can attest to that as well. Love doing this every week with you. Uh, and love engaging with the with with the listeners. You guys uh, have a lot of great information in the chat. So thank you for bringing it week to week. Uh, as I mentioned, you can follow us on Twitter, on Instagram at Mike Matt Show uh, for your football fix throughout the week. We are live on Colorcast every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time. We have a podcast that goes up every Wednesday morning. So in case you miss a live show, you can catch the podcast version every Wednesday morning. And as always, uh, there are a number of different uh, shows here on the, on the platform. Definitely check out all the other casters that are color commentating games. It's an awesome part of the sports season now with uh, the meat of the NFL season, with the NBA now up and running. The NHL season is in full swing and obviously the World Series, which could potentially come to a close tonight if Atlanta is able to uh, show up and show out. So we appreciate it as always, guys. Matt, you got anything to add? Thank you, everyone who's tuned in through half the season with us. It's been fantastic to see the support. It just makes us that much more passionate about it. Great. This was an active and amazing chat tonight. It's been incredible to be able to be a part of this. And I mean, we're, we are halfway there, but we're also technically not. And I, I, for one, am very glad to say that we're only kind of halfway there, that last little extra cherry top game. Um, this has just been a great season of football. Maybe it's the euphoria of the last year, but I can't stop smiling this football season. Every week, all we do is talk about how much better week to week to week this season has gotten. And it definitely makes for fun content and fun conversation. So, guys, same time, same place next week, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time. Go follow ColorCast on social media. Go show them support. Go show support for all the other creators on this platform. And we will see you next week. So again, congratulations to Sean Atch 41 for winning that Kyler, Jer Kyler Murray jersey. Excuse me, can't speak. And be sure to go DM ColorCast on Twitter or Instagram, letting them know that you are the lucky winner uh, from the Mike and Matt football show. So guys, that's going to do it. Enjoy the rest of your week. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll see you on social. Have a good one.